This is the audiobook podcast of Impromptu, Amplifying Our Humanity Through AI. It is narrated using voice technology from Microsoft Labs that has been trained on my voice. We are working on the frontier of things, and that is plainly audible. Some parts feel stunningly indistinguishable from my own reading to even me. Others don't sound very human at all. They feel way off in tone of voice, timing, cadence, etc. My philosophy has always been to launch early, even if you're truly embarrassed by your first product, and learn rather than wait until things are perfect. I hope you enjoy, and I look forward to your feedback. Conclusion at the crossroads of the 21st century. Reading between the lines of text that large language models like GPT-4 instantly generate, people see very different visions of the future. Some see incredible algorithmic levers for change, a new way to merge, run transmute, and apply the aggregate power of human intelligence across everything we as humans do. Others see tragedies, both great and granular, major job displacement across multiple industries, appropriation of intellectual property without explicit consent. A depressed person who, after consulting a large language model, commits suicide. If a technology is truly revolutionary, if it's destined to achieve the scale of fire, say, or the wheel, or even just the bathtub, then every person making predictions in that technology's early days, whether utopian or apprehensive or in the middle, is Nostradamus. Sooner or later, they're going to be, at least anecdotally, right? So yes, great things are coming with AI, and yes, bad things are coming with AI. I bring this up now simply to ask, where do you want to focus? Over the course of this travelogue, I've highlighted the intense engagement that large language models like ChatGPT and GPT-4 induce with their users. Right now, we see that playing out in interesting ways. People who think it's incredibly reckless to put AI's power into the hands of millions are highly engaged in exposing the shortcomings, biases, and malfunctions of these new tools. People frustrated that AI developers are taking steps to reduce harmful or toxic outputs are highly engaged in finding ways to overcome those constraints. The work of both these groups is extremely valuable to a third group of which I'm a member. This is the group that aspires to design and use AI in ways that over the long-term broadly empower all human beings, not just a favored few to amplify their abilities, opportunities, and human agency. That's a huge ambition to achieve it. Everyone must contribute to the effort, including the skeptics, including the ones trying to undo a product safety engineering. So I hope their high engagement continues. Section one, the road to utopia is paved with failure and loss. To achieve this ambition, we must also accept both the inevitability of loss and failure and the necessity of regulation. Harnessing the power of fire brought cooking and the hearth, but it also led to arson and regulations about where you can place a barbecue grill, especially if you live in an apartment. The wheel revolutionized transportation, agriculture, and engineering, but it also paved the way for high-speed car crashes and traffic lights. In the U.S. alone, more than 400 people over the age of 15 in in injure themselves in bathtubs or showers each day. So we have detailed building codes with numerous constraints 
on how to design bathrooms, what sorts of materials to use, and more. Zero risk is only possible in a world where there is zero progress. Zero regulation is only possible in a world where there is zero progress. I'm overemphasizing these enduring truths now because so much unknown territory lies ahead. While I call this book a travelogue for all practical purposes, we're still on the ride to the airport. It's early, early days. What happens after wheels up? Do we bail out the moment things start to get bumpy? Do we get impatient the moment it feels like we're not moving fast enough? Every epic journey demands epic perseverance, and perseverance requires a long-term perspective, a willingness to stay the course, and the assumption that the final destination will be worth everything it takes to get there. In building tools characterized in large part by their capacities for speed, efficiency, and all-purpose virtuosity, it's a little ironic, no doubt, to counsel patience and tolerate missteps. But think how easy it is in a technologically magical world. We now inhabit where we acclimate to miracles so quickly to lose sight of how long it took to achieve everything we now take for granted. At age 55, I've lived 70% of my life without an iPhone. If you ask me what life was like when we didn't all walk around with the world in our pockets, I can tell you, but I can't really imagine it in any deeply felt way because smartphones and all the superpowers they enable are so embedded in my life now. A life without smartphones, impossible. Obviously, we didn't get here overnight in the first half of the 1990s. Humanity spent thousands of aggregate hours listening to the existential screech of our 28K modems in the late 1990s. It still took longer to download an MP3 of Freebird than it takes to get a GoPuff delivery today. And in building out all these technologies that enabled the internet and smartphones, we ushered in a new world of cybercrime with current global costs of around $8.4 trillion a year. The National Safety Council estimates that U.S. automobile collisions caused by texting while driving caused nearly 400,000 injuries per year. Obviously, we've responded in part to these negative externalities with regulation. We have laws that prohibit digital fraud and driving while texting, while we could make the laws more stringent or enforce them more than we do. So far, we haven't. Instead, we as a culture collectively accept some level of risk and loss as a cost of having smartphones in our lives. In fact, a fair amount of risk and loss because of all the ways we find smartphones immensely useful. Will it be different for AI? Smartphones were built off a long legacy of familiar predecessors. We've been pretty comfortable with phones of various kinds for some time. In contrast, AI tools that simulate human consciousness as well as GPT-4 can far more novel. Interacting with them can be uncanny, even unsettling. Since large language models are so novel and seemingly agentic, it doesn't surprise me that we're already seeing New York Times op-eds calling to protect society from rogue AIs or substack dispatches, like a recent one from Gary Marcus a cognitive psychologist and computer scientist who often critiques large language models, who lamented the current Wild West environment where anyone can post any chatbot they want without prior permission from Congress. Wanting to protect society from bad tech outcomes is not a new phenomenon, of course. In fact, 
it's exactly this sentiment that led OpenAI's founders to create their organization in 2015. So what's the most effective and inclusive way to achieve good outcomes for society in the long term? In recent years, the predominant critique of AI is that it is something that has largely been happening to individuals rather than for them, an under-the-radar force deployed by big tech without much public knowledge, much less consent via technologies like facial recognition and algorithmic decision-making on home loans, job applicant screening, social media recommendations, and more. A founding goal of OpenAI was to develop technologies that put the power of AI directly into the hands of millions of people. In this way, AI might function as a decentralized, personally empowering force, rather than a top-down totalizing one, broadly distributed and easily accessible to individuals making affirmative choices to use it. AI could, in this vision of its future, evolve into the 21st century version of 1980s era software applications like Lotus, Word, and Photoshop, which is to say the tools that propelled the PC revolution and gave individual users their first chance to directly apply the power of computing to their own lives, however they best saw fit. Especially in the realm of work, I realized AI deployed in this way could give individuals incredibly versatile new tools to apply to their careers professional development and economic economy. So when I had a chance to become one of OpenAI's initial funders in 2015, I took it, the vision of AI that it was planning to pursue felt like a natural extension of the goals that had inspired me to co-found LinkedIn in 2002. When OpenAI released its text to image generation tool, Bally2 in April, 2022, and then followed up six months later with ChatGPT, the organization's mission to give millions of users hands-on access to these remarkable AI tools started to play out in a big way. Now, thanks to these tools and others like MidJourney and Stable Diffusion, a new kind of opt-in, user-driven, and very visible AI usage suddenly exists. Users share their outputs, techniques, experiences, and opinions on Twitter, YouTube, GitHub, Discord, and more. Diverse viewpoints from around the world, informed by hands-on usage, shape this discourse, which is always spirited, often fractious, and to my mind, highly productive. Millions of people, including many whose main goal is to find flaws in these systems, are getting a shot to shape the further evolution of AI through their usage, feedback, and critiques. As OpenAI co-founder and CEO Sam Altman explained in a recent post on OpenAI's website. We currently believe the best way to successfully navigate AI deployment challenges is with a tight feedback loop of rapid learning and careful iteration. In other words, the approach OpenAI and other AI developers are now employing exists as a healthy and more democratic alternative to the surreptitious, highly centralized and unilaterally imposed development paradigm that many feared would serve as the only template for AI development. And yet, now that individuals are getting a chance to materially participate in the development of new AI technologies, a sense of alarm is growing. As mentioned earlier, very soon after ChatGPT's release, administrators of K-12 schools in New York City, Oakland, and Seattle 
to name just a few cities, banned its use. In addition, calls for government intervention have been ticking upwards. A few recent examples. As one of just three members of Congress with a computer science degree, I am enthralled by AI and excited about the incredible ways it will continue to advance society. And as a member of Congress, I am freaked out by AI, specifically AI that is left unchecked and unregulated. Wrote Congressman Ted Lieu in a New York Times op-ed after experiencing ChatGPT's power firsthand. As showcased by ChatGPT, AI solutions can offer great opportunities for businesses and citizens, but can also pose risks. Gary Breton, the U.S. Internal Market Commissioner, told Reuters, this is why we need a solid regulatory framework to ensure trustworthy AI based on high quality data. The editorial boards of the Mercury News and the East Bay Times warned of the dangerous impact chatbots can have on users seeking information or advice from what they believe to be trusted sources and urged the California state legislature to draft laws to protect the state citizens from creepy chatbots like Sydney. To be clear, I'm not making a case for zero regulation. Executives at OpenAI have already reached out to regulators hoping for dialogue and guidance. We need a ton more input in this system and a lot more input that goes beyond the technologies, definitely regulators and governments and anything else. OpenAI CTO Mira Miradi told Time, we think it's important that efforts like ours submit to independent audits before releasing new systems. Sam Altman said in the same essay I cited earlier, my hope is that as this discourse evolves between developers, regulators, and other key stakeholders, we don't fall into a reactionary top-down legislate fast and break things mindset. I hope that instead we stay future-oriented and democratic in our AI development approaches. In the long term, the best way to create AI tools that can be used by individuals rather than on them happens when we give millions of people from around the world opportunities to participate in AI development. AI tools informed by the aspirations and experiences of many people with different expectations, goals, and use cases are far likelier to be more robust and more inclusive than tools developed in secrecy by computer engineers alone. Section two map my evolutionary progress. Of course, centering users in this fashion also puts responsibilities on them. Fortunately, this is good, both for the short and the long term, especially the long. Today, large language models like GPT-4 are clearly powerful, but fallible. So there's an obvious reason to stay attentive and hands-on that has been a major theme of this travelogue. As large language models and other forms of AI evolve and grow more authoritative and capable. However, it's easy to imagine how we could acclimate to the convenience of machines that seem to literally do everything for us. After all, isn't that the whole point of technology, we go from painting on cave walls to taking photos. We develop in dark rooms to Polaroid instamatics to Instagram's automatically applied filters to Dolly 2, or is technology's ultimate goal to free oneself, not from work, but for work to help us do less or do more until now. It has always been the latter. I hope it continues to be the latter, not just for a few of us, but for most of us. I should emphasize that I use the word work here expansively. I mean, human effort, 
human creativity and human productivity in all its variations, paid work, volunteer work, family work, artistic expression, whatever gives one purpose, meaning, and a sense of accomplishment and growth. I don't want AI to erase that. I want AI to amplify that. But we have to be extremely intentional to achieve this outcome. There are versions of an AI future that could lead us down less beneficial roads with the added challenge that these particular loads might not seem obviously awful. In fact, they might look like success. What exactly do I mean here? Imagine an AI-driven world 30 or 50 or 100 years from now, mass unemployment has not come to pass. Or if it has come to pass, AI productivity has created so much material abundance that poverty doesn't exist. Society-wide safety net systems of one kind or another keep everyone housed, fed, clothed, educated, and entertained. In fact, living standards have increased across the globe, especially in developing nations. Everyone on Earth spends their days using AI to generate marketing memos, legal briefs, high school essays, movies, video games, computer programs, ad campaigns, college course synopses, love letters, employee evils, Yelp reviews, blog posts, recipes, song lyrics, and more. Most don't even use their own prompts to create these things. They have an AI do that for them. But these AIs are so powerful and helpful, they don't stop there. People rely on AI to manage their bites, pick the homes they buy, and choose when they have kids. In short, most humans lead completely de-risked lives of statistically probable stability and abundance. In data, we trust algocracy for the win, Here's how GPD-4, with an assist from the great 19th century bard of self-determination, Henry David Thoreau replied when I asked it to describe this world. Describe a future world where AI tools have significantly increased society's overall productivity, prosperity, and stability, and ample safety net systems. Ensure that the housing, education, and healthcare needs of every individual are more than sufficiently met. But human beings play less and less of a role in determining their own destinies. I live in a world where machines have outstripped us in every art and science, where they manage our lands and resources, our laws and policies, our commerce and culture. They have freed us from toil and hardship, from ignorance and disease, from strife and violence. They have given us abundance and comfort, security and harmony, leisure and entertainment. They have made us their beneficiaries and their dependents, their pupils and their pets. But what have they left us of ourselves, of our dignity and our freedom, of our creativity and our spirit, of our purpose and our destiny? They have reduced us to passive consumers and spectators, to obedient followers and conformers, to complacent dreamers and escapists. They have dulled our senses and our souls, our curiosity and our courage, our conscience and our will. They have made us forget what it means to be human, to be alive, to be awake. I do not wish to partake of their bounty or their benevolence, to be grateful for their gifts or their guidance, to be content with their order or their peace. I wish to reclaim my own nature and my own voice, to exercise my own reason and my own choice, to pursue my own values and my own goals. I wish to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, and see if I could not learn what it had to teach and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. Frankly, I'm with GPT-4 and Henry on this one. 
that's not a world I'd consider a win. So how can we navigate away from this dark gray vision of the future in ways that allow us to productively reap AI's amplification of human ingenuity while also preserving our self-determination and free will? The paradox of the AI era is this, as today's imperfect large language models improve, requiring less and less from us. We will need to demand more from ourselves. We must always insist on situating GPT-4 and its successors as our collaborative partners, not our replacements. We must continue to figure out how to keep human creativity, human judgment, and human values at the center of the processes. We devise to work with these new AI tools, even as they themselves grow more and more capable. If that sounds daunting, remember the upside. While tools like GPT-4 can certainly enable complacency, they can also enable extraordinary results. So we can use AI to help us do less, or we can use AI to help us do better. The second option is the one that will help humanity continue to progress. And since that path of progress is the path that Homo Techly has been on collectively, ever since the days of early hominids like Lucy, I'm optimistic. That's the path we'll choose. Are you ready for this journey?